0: CHAPTER Twelve OF LUCINDA BY ANTHONY HOPE. THIS LIBRIVOX RECORDING IS IN THE PUBLIC DOMAIN. A SECRET VISIT I stayed longer at Cragsfoot than I had intended. The old folk there seemed rather lonely and moody, and, if the truth must be told, not quite so fully in harmony with one another as of yore. Aunt Bertha was ailing, showing at last signs of age and feebleness sir paget was suffering from a reaction after his wartime anxieties and activities a latent opposition of feeling between them occasionally cropped out on the surface in sir paget it showed itself in humorously expressed fears that i too the only one of my family left should be swallowed if i went to mentone but aunt bertha met the humor peevishly what nonsense you talk paget or really one should think that you regret waldo's marriage at all events things might have been worse words like these last skirted forbidden places and we steered the conversation away but the opposition was real when they were alone together it was probably more open and therefore worse i lingered on with the idea that my presence in the house softened and eased it moreover i must own to a feeling in myself which seemed ridiculous and yet was obstinate a reluctance to go to villa san carlo what was the meaning or the sense of that was i afraid of being swallowed there of being drawn into the dundranin orbit and thereafter circling helplessly round the dundranin sun no it was not quite that i took leave to trust to an individuality an independence in myself though apparently sir paget had his doubts about it it was rather that going to the villa seemed a definite and open-ranging of myself on nina's side but on her side and what my reason asked there was no conflict it was all over the battle had been fought and won if indeed there could be said to have been any battle at all where one side had declined victory and left the prize at the mercy of the other but here again however irrationally the feeling persisted and when challenged to show its justification called to witness the two combatants themselves in the end it was their words their tones hints of some vague foreboding in themselves which had infected my mind what in the end overcame my reluctance and took me to mentone not the attraction of the villa nor the lure of a holiday in sunshine it was unexpectedly and paradoxically a letter from arsenio valdez addressed to my club it was forwarded to me at cragsfoot after a silence of more than four years he resumed his acquaintance with me in this missive resumed it without the least embarrassment and with a claim to the cherished privilege of old friendship that of borrowing money of course he had, it appeared, joined the Italian army rather late in the day. Whether he took the step of his free will, having solved his difficulties as to the proper side to champion in the war, or on compulsion, he did not say, and I have never discovered. I was ignorant of Italian legislation, and even of his legal nationality. Perhaps he made no great figure as a soldier, brave as Lucinda had declared him to be. At any rate, before very long he was put on transport work connected with the italian troops serving on the western front with his quarters at genoa even from this form of military service the armistice appeared now to have freed him he was for the present out of a job he said and he gave me an address in nice to which i was to reply enclosing the fifty pounds with which he suggested that i should accommodate him number twenty one hasn't been quite so good a friend to me lately hence temporary straits, he wrote. I could imagine the monkeyish look on his face, and that reference to number 21 was as near as he approached to any mention of his wife. I arranged for him to get the money through my bank and wrote to him saying that possibly I should be in the south of France shortly and that if so, I would look him up. More precise details of my plans I did not give. It was no business of his with whom I proposed to stay, a week later i set out for mentone with i suppose treason in my heart for during my sojourn at Villa san carlo i meant to enter into communication with the enemy if i could and i did not intend to ask lady dundrannan's permission it was just before christmas that i reached mentone without frost facilities and joined the big three that nickname developed a little later and was accepted by her ladyship with complacent smiles I use it now for convenience. They were established, of course, in the height of luxury. There seemed no difficulty about getting anything. The furniture had all come, they had two cars, one to enable Godfrey to visit those works near Marseilles, another to promote the convalescence of Waldo. I gathered that another could be procured for me, if I liked, on what particular false pretense I did not inquire. I said that, what with trams, trains, and legs, I could manage my own private excursions. It was only when I accompanied them that dignity was essential. Nina never objected to sly digs at her grandeur. They were homage, though indirect. Besides Godfrey and myself, the only guest in the house was Lady Eunice Unthank, a small fair girl of about nineteen or twenty younger sister of a friend whom Nina had made at her finishing school in Paris, and who had subsequently made what is called a brilliant marriage, so brilliant that it reflected added lustre on Lady Eunice's own aristocracy. The latter was a pleasant, simple, unassuming little person. Very fond of the baby. As babies go, it was quite a nice one. Obedient and adoring to Nina, frankly delighted with the luxury in which she found herself i understood that her own family was large and not rich however godfrey was rich enough for two yes that was the idea which at once suggested itself mr godfrey he had dropped the captain by now and lady eunice frost the one thing godfrey needed and a gentle amenable lady eunice too quite satisfying the apostle that perhaps was what lady dundrannan also desired that her rule might not be undermined the far-seeing eye embraced the future anybody vulgar enough might have said that lady eunice was at villa san carlo on Apro. what lady dundrannan said was that it was a charity to give the child a good time she did not get much fun at home but i think that it was organized charity on business principles what the sultan who had the handkerchief to throw thought about this possible recipient of it it was too soon to say he was attentive and friendly but as yet showed no signs of sentiment and made no efforts after solitude adieu we were all very jolly together and enjoyed ourselves famously for the first ten days or so i quite forgot that arsenio's letter had had anything to do with bringing me to mentone in fact i had never before encountered nina in such an entirely benign and gracious mood her happiness in her husband and baby seemed to spread its rays over all of us in such a temper she was very attractive but it also signified that she was well content in fact there was just now an air of triumph about her good-humor and her benevolence it seemed especially pronounced in some smiles which she gave me, as it were, aside, All to myself. What was there about me to excite her triumph? It could hardly be because I had come to stay with her. Were we not now cousins, and privileged, or doomed, to one another's society all our lives? Well, this is a fine time, after all our labors, I said to Waldo one morning as we smoked our pipes after early breakfast you look tons better already he smoked on for a moment before he spoke i'm a very happy man now he said and smiled at me i know you laugh a bit old chap at the way nina runs us all i don't mind that by jove look how well she does it she's a wonderful girl she is i agreed after all unless a man takes the position that all men are cleverer than any woman which is absurd yes waldo he may admit that a particular woman is cleverer than himself that seems logical of course it's not only her cleverness i'm much fonder of her than i used to than i was even when i married her anything that there was well the least bit decisive about her has worn off she's mellowed so've you i told him with a laugh my real life seems now to begin with my marriage he said soberly it could scarcely be doubted that he meant to convey to me that a certain episode in the past had lost all its importance for him. Was that the explanation of his wife's air of triumph? No doubt a sufficient one in itself, and perhaps enough to account for her liking to share her triumph with me. I had, after all, known her in days when she was not triumphant, however that might be, Waldo's statement took my mind back to things that had happened before his real life began, and incidentally to Arsenio Valdez. I decided to bring off my secret expedition, and on the next day, there being nothing in particular on foot at the villa, I slipped away directly after Dejeuner and caught a train to Nice. It traveled slowly, but it got me there by two o'clock, and I made my way towards the address which Arsenio had given me i need hardly add that this was a furtive and secret proceeding on my part i relied on not being questioned about him just as i had relied and successfully on not being questioned about lucinda at cragsfoot i had a little difficulty in finding my way the house was in a back street reached by several turns and not everybody i asked knew where it was but i found it it was a patisserie of a humble order apparently the shop entrance was the only one so i went in by that and asked if monsieur valdez lodged there a pleasant voluble woman was serving at the counter and she told me that such was the case monsieur valdez had a room on the second floor and was at home he had not been out that day he had not been out for dejeuner yet late as it was but there monsieur had employment which kept him up at nights he often slept far into the day it was indeed highly possible that i might find him still in bed was it and she had spoken of a room i thought it judicious to obtain one more bit of information before i mounted to the room on the second floor and uh, he's sure to be alone is he she shook her head at me her bright eyes twinkling in an affectation of rebuke monsieur need not disturb himself monsieur valdez is not married and for the rest in my house "'Mais non, monsieur.' "'A thousand pardons, madame,' said I, as I prepared to mount the stairs, which rose from the back of the shop. "'My husband is most scrupulous about my dignity,' she cried to me in a tone of great pride, as I ascended the first steps. So that explained that, and I went upstairs. There were only two rooms on the second floor, one to the front, the other to the back of the house.' The door of the former was open. It was a bedroom with an obviously double appearance. I turned to the latter and tried the door. It opened. I walked in and closed the door softly behind me. It was a small room, plainly but tidily furnished, and well lighted by a big window above the bed in which Arsenio lay. He was sleeping quietly. I stood by the door watching him for quite a long while. He was not greatly changed by the years and whatever experiences he had passed through. His face was hardened rather than coarsened, its lines not obliterated by any grossness of the flesh, but more sharply chiseled. A fallen spirit, perhaps, but with the spiritual in him still. His devilry, his malice, would still have the redeeming savor of perception and humor, he might yet be responsive to a picturesque appeal capable of a beau jest even perhaps on occasion of a true vision of himself but still undoubtedly prone to those tricks which had earned for him in days of old his nickname of monkey valdez it was time to rouse him i advanced towards the bed took hold of a chair that stood by it sat down and forced a cough he awoke directly, saw me, apparently without surprise, and sat up in bed. Ah, it's you, Julius. You've turned up, as you said you might. But you've not come for your fifty pounds, I hope. My surroundings hardly suggest any success there, do they? What time is it? I've, shall we say, lost my watch. Never mind, and I'm not going to ask you for another loan. Oh well, only a fiver, perhaps, because I'm expecting a remittance any hour he looked up at the window ah i perceive that the day is advanced i'll get up don't suppose that i can't get up i've got two good suits one for the day and one for the night it's a bad workman who pawns his tools you smoke while i dress and we'll have a talk he jumped lightly out of bed and proceeded to make his toilet questioning me briefly the while about the state of affairs in england and what had happened to me since our last meeting he did not refer to any of our common acquaintances i observed with some surprise that when the time for it came the neatly folded suit which he took out of his chest of drawers was evening dress it was only a little past three in the afternoon he cast a mocking glance at me in enforced intervals he explained i pursue an avocation that demands the garb of ceremony from five o'clock in the day onwards till well till it's day again sometimes intervals between what between seasons of plenty he was now in trousers and vest he looked at his chin in the glass oh but i a shave excuse me a moment he ran out of the room and was back in a minute or two with a jug of steaming water as he stropped his razor he went on as though there had been no interruption but on the whole i have much to be thankful for brains will tell even or indeed especially in a stupid world now tell me what you're doing on this pleasant coast oh i know you came to see me partly i'm grateful but for example you're not staying with me where are you staying at mentone with some old friends of ours ah and who may they be he asked as he scraped his chin lady Dundrannan, as she now is and her husband he stopped shaving for a moment and turned round to me, one side of his face scraped clean, the other still covered with lathered soap. Oh, are they here, at Mentone? They've got a villa there, Villa San Carlo. We live in a great state. I won't ask you to forsake them then and share my quarters. I take an interest in that household. In fact, I feel partly responsible for it. I hope it's a success. He grinned at me as he sponged and then toweled his face. <laughs> a very brilliant success i assured him with a laugh that arrangement is always my idea of what ought to happen adjoining estates the old blood mingling with the new so very suitable that process has been the salvation of the british aristocracy hasn't it so i er uh, felt less scruple in interfering with a less ideal arrangement here was a chance for him to refer to his wife he did not avail himself of it I did not wish to be the one to introduce that subject. If I showed curiosity, he might turn mischievous and put me off with a gibe or a lie. He had finished his dressing by putting on a dinner jacket. He sat down on the bed—I still occupied the only chair in the room—and lit a cigarette. Did you mention at Villa—Villa—what did you say it was? San Carlo. Yes, of course. Did you mention at Villa San Carlo that you were coming to see me? No, I didn't it's about the last thing i should think of mentioning there i said quite right better not he said with an approving nod and i fancied an air of relief an awkward topic and a meeting would be more awkward still i must avoid mentone i think at all events the fashionable quarter of it at this moment the woman whom i had talked to in the shop knocked at the door opened it and ushered in another woman the bearer of a registered letter Aha! cried Arsenio joyfully as he took it, hastily signed the receipt, and tore the envelope open. Then he called his landlady back, just as she was closing the door. "'Pray, madame, have the kindness to send word to my, uh, office, that indisposition will prevent my attendance this evening.' "'Ah, monsieur, for shame,' said she, with the same indulgent affectation of reproof as that which she had bestowed on me. "'Gentlemen of means don't go to offices,' he said, waving his envelope. With a smile and a shrug, Madame left us. "'Now, Julius, if you're returning to Villa—Villa—yes, San Carlo, this afternoon, I'll do myself the pleasure of accompanying you as far as Monte Carlo. That will enable me to see more of you, my friend. And who knows, but that number 21 may be kind to me tonight.' Monte Carlo is very near Mentone, I remarked. True, true, but delicacy of feeling, however desirable and praiseworthy, must not interfere with the serious business of life. We must take our chance, Julius. If any unlucky meeting should occur, I authorize, and indeed implore you, to cut me dead. They will cut me, I shall cut them. I shall cut you, you will cut me, we shall all cut and all be cut and no harm will be done no blood shed voila julius see how as they say in french at the very worst the thing will arrange itself End of chapter twelve